the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy January 19th. It's Arthur Idala. I am live and local here at my desk at 546 Fifth Avenue. Um, there's like a half a fire alarm going on in the office. I love it. I will credit. That's yeah, not me. <laughs> I will credit the staff here at 546 Fifth Avenue because um, they are. Um, they're so considerate, so they have to test the fire alarm system. You know, they're figuring 6 o'clock on a Friday, maybe there's not too many people around. But nope, not here at ABK. Uh, the lawyer's inside. I know Imran's inside. He may have a libation in his hands. I think we're going to have, Joni, do we have a Padre Lou libation uh, tonight? We certainly do. And for some reason, Padre Lou's on this slope. All right, thank you. Is that my, is that my Rob Dellinger one? No, or is no, that the no. Old just one? we could just go oh, with the old on. one. Let's I go with the original. Ones. Slow down, so there, the, Joni. The thing is, Padre Lou's kind of into slow gin. Well, I guess lately. he discovered S L O E gin. That's the part of the the book that he's in. San Bellino, happy Friday to you, my friend. What's up? Happy Friday. I hope and you're Big Alex it. is there. Happy Friday, Arthur. Alex, I saw you posted pictures of yourself frolicking in the huge, huge snowstorm. Now, I don't know, was there six, eight, twelve inches out there? I mean, I'm glad schools were closed today because. Wow, I mean, it was really, really wicked. I mean, I'm looking out the window and the cars are buried. The poor buses are absolutely frozen. They can't move anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's basically it was like Did a... Did you shovel out this morning? I mean, it was ridiculous. Lucas School, uh, well, they just said, oh, we're going to do remote learning. We're going to go in. Other schools had late openings. I will tell you, I... um. I I got out of um I have a very very special guest right in front of me. I'm not going to take up much of your time because we're going to want to get to him. He's actually the president. Not the president of the United States, but he's the president. And he laughs when I call him that, but I love calling him that because I know him a long time and now he's the president. It's a big shot. It's like when Scalia was he, like when he was first on the bench, he was like the lowest guy in the totem pole. And the last time I saw him before he passed away, he was was he the most senior? I think so. Yes, I think he was the most senior. Um but um, this morning, I, I left here last night, so I hung up with you guys last night, and I um, I stayed here till just a little after midnight, reading all of this Harvey Weinstein stuff. And I'm only telling you guys this because a lot of the feedback I get about our show is people say they really enjoy when I talk about like how the sausage is made regarding the law, and you know how the sausage is made regarding the law is time you know lawyers charge for their time because 
you know, there's Abraham Lincoln had that big line. Geraldo uses it all the time. A lawyer's time is a stock and trade, something along those lines. But I was here last night from 7 to 12, so that's five hours. I ate some chickpeas that I had here, and there was a little piece of uh, truffle cheese that Giovanni brought me back from Mizzle Maddie Sicily, which was pretty delicious, but there wasn't that much left because Judge Leventhal eats it all. Um, and and then I get then on the ride home, just so you know how the sausage is made. You know, I didn't listen to sports radio to the fan as I often do. I didn't listen to my, the the new Stones a- album like I you used to do or normally do. I listened to an oral argument. I actually listened to the Bill Cosby oral argument because the facts of the Bill Cosby case are se- very similar to the Harvey Weinstein case, and that case was reversed. And then when I got home. I put on Frank from Staten Island because it was right around 1 o'clock. And Sam Bellino, do you know what Frank from Staten Island does on Friday? Uh, I do not. Remind you can ask oh, Frank right. anything. and uh, it's, he, gets, it's like, uh, he gets interesting questions. In he segment. gets some wild questions. And sometimes he answers them, and then he gets in trouble for answering them. Sometimes he gets in trouble from John Katsimatidi. Sometimes he gets in trouble <laughs> from his bride, Rachel. Um, so I get a little sucked into that, but then I eventually passed out. But then I had another radio appearance at 625 this morning, and then I was on with uh, Anthony Pope at, uh, filling in for Piscopo at 8 o'clock this morning, and I had bad reception, so um, people were still sleeping in my house, meaning little Arthur who's under the weather. So I'm down in the basement, Sam Bellino, in my house, and as I'm talking to Anthony Pope, I guess I guess it was Gatulo pops in, and he's like, Arthur, your signal is bad. So it's about 25 degrees. I'm wearing my suit pants, socks, and my undershirt. And I actually go outside for my 10-minute segment. Ah, that's commitment. <laughs> yeah, that's commitment. And it's cold. That is cold. Uh, but I came in here and I uh, I did a bunch of work. And uh, I bought myself a little upgrade. We'll talk about it at the end of the show with the libation. I've already spoken way too long. We're going to talk about Alec Baldwin getting charged again. But... Um, Let's face it, the number one issue still in the city, whether it's you, whether you're talking about the migrants, whether you're talking about education, whether you're talking about senior citizens, the hub in the middle of all of those spokes is one word, is crime. Uh, congestion pricing, how do I leave that out, right? Everybody, they want people, they want to stop us from driving to will cost us so much more so that uh, they'll take mass transit. Well, people want to make sure that they're safe uh, on those trains and on those buses. So uh, Joan worked her magic, producer of the century, Joni Pelzer, and uh, sitting right across the table from me is someone who I know for many years. I know his family um, and watching him go through up through the ranks as a uh, very proud uh, Italian-American that I am. I have the president of the Detective Endowment Association of the City of New York, Paul DiGiacomo. Hello there, Paul. How are you, sir? Good to see you again, Arthur. Always a pleasure. I well, you know, it's a pleasure to see you because when you're when you're here, I know I'm definitely safe. <laughs> you know, just so anyway, like Paul carries four guns on him. So I, <laughs> no, he is it. Now, Paul, I am going to let you talk a little bit about where we're at. There's this bill that everybody's talking about about. Um, the city council, you know, and your detectives, one of their jobs is to talk to people. That's how they solve crimes, is to talk to as many people as possible, to figure out who did what, when, where. And the the paperwork that the city council is now asking them to, to do is just ridiculous. The mayor, I believe today, has vetoed it. and But now the city council is saying they're going to override his veto. So you can pick a topic, any topic, Paul DiGiacomo. Um, how long have you been a detective? 
Well, since 1992, but I, I just started uh, 41 years in the police department. 41 yeah. years. Wow. I was born 41 years ago, <laughs> plus another 15, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so let, let's just address what I just said. You know, you're the president. You're the leader of how many detectives in the city? Oh, we have right now uh, about 18,000 active and retired detectives that we represent. Oh, oh some of the retired. I was going to get is there 18,000 yeah, out of them? I okay. yeah, yeah, I was going to say that would be proud to represent them. They are the greatest detectives in the world. You don't have to tell me, my man. I, I could tell you Detective Tommy Dades, okay. 6-8 Precinct, 718-439-4236, or 4237, the landline, black phones with the little buttons yeah. on them and all that. I mean, that's how I grew up when, in, in the DA's office and shortly thereafter, him and Mike Galletta. Um, Tommy retired as a first grade detective. I think Mike was second grade. Yeah. Um, so talk to me. You're the chief of detectives. They want you guys to, or the head of the union. They want, you know, your guys to have to write down every encounter they have. Don't they want, you know, they want you to write down the, the age of people and the, age, the race. Gender, race. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. You know, between uh, the bail reform laws, the diaphragm compression bill, now this bill, they're really uh, tying the hands of the police and putting the public and the people of the city in great danger. So... Like, how do you guys push back? Well, you know, uh, you know, we're speaking to the city council people, and, uh, you know, they just are on a, a, an agenda uh, to try and ruin this city. They never do anything uh, or pass legislation for the victims of crime. They never pass any legislation to help the police. They never pass legislation to help us conduct our investigations. It's always to hinder us or handcuff us. And, uh, you know, that that's worrisome to me because I think the city uh, is heading to, into a direction that they may not be able to turn back. Now, is this... This isn't, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I know you would, Paul. This is not just like a New York City problem, right? I mean, these, this is happening in other cities around the country where the local municipalities are really putting the handcuffs on the police as opposed to on people breaking the law. Yeah, well, I agree with that uh, for sure. But, you know, it's happening more here uh, in New York City. And because you have the Senate, you have the Assembly, you have the City Council, I've never seen every entity of government uh, against law enforcement like I see now. Uh, at times throughout our careers, we've seen one segment of government uh, maybe had some uh, laws they wanted to change, but now you have the city, the state, the federal government throwing uh, laws in to tie the hands of the police on a regular basis. And the only people that suffer are the people that are the victims of crime, the people of the city, the people of the state. So, Paul, I know you can't answer this question, mm -hmm. but... I mean, you could answer it, but I, nobody really knows the answer. But, like, what happened? Like, what happened in, you know, you've been on the job 41 years, right? Mm -hmm. So what has happened in the 41 years that we've gone in this direction? From, from them, you know, people being more, is it, you know, there's a million things. Is it social media? Is it just, uh, is it economics? Is it, uh, why, why, what, what spurred this thing up? You know, Arthur, I really, uh, I'm not sure about that because we went from being heroes one minute during COVID, everybody's banging pots and pans, and, and, and the next minute there's uh, the demonstrations, there's demonstrations and rioting um, in New York City that um, we had nothing to do with what happened with George Floyd. And uh, it's, it's, it was unfair to the people of the city, unfair to the hardworking detectives out there and the hardworking cops uh, that are out there putting their life on the line every day. And... Uh, you know, it's it's a profession that used to be sought off, sought after, and now uh, not many people are look, looking to get into law enforcement. Well, it's very uh, sad. there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, 
when I walked out of this building, um, because, Paul, you'd appreciate this. Like, I, especially I talk to more and more lawyers at these prestigious law firms. You know, when they talk about the city and the city's not coming back, I had lunch with a lawyer on Wednesday, two days ago. And she's in a, a, a big law firm, you know, like a monster law firm. And in the course of our conversation, she mentions that, oh, yeah, well, I only came in today. No, it's a Wednesday. I only came in today for our lunch. I go, what do you mean you only came in for, for our lunch? She goes, oh, we only have to come into the office two, yeah, yeah. two, two days a week. Yeah, it's I'm ridiculous. like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, we work remotely. You know, I can't say the curse words that I like. That's BS, right? I mean, so my long-winded point is we were in here. We literally came back to work two weeks after because people wanted us to file compassionate release uh, documents. There were all kinds of civil things like, you know, a guy got a whole got a hundred thousand dollars of of meat delivered this is in the height of COVID, in the beginning and he's like what, the, what do i do I, there's no customers they shut me down so there's a lot of complications and then the george floyd thing happens and right here you know where i'm i'm fifth sure. avenue right so the, they shut down this whole thing and these morons who i'm looking at are going nose to nose with female black police officers and they're calling them racist. Yeah. They're screaming. So I got some white kid with long hair screaming at a black woman who's in uniform, calling her a racist pig. And I'm just standing there. I'm like, what the heck? This is, I mean, this is insane. Well, they're on a mission to uh, do away with the police entirely. Uh, they don't want policing. They want to do what they want, when they want, how they want, with no interference uh, from the police or the law. And uh, this is what, what their goal is. But, um, you know, it, we, we have to really get a hold on what's going on. If we don't, if we don't, I think that New York City is going to really suffer and not too many people are going to stay here. No, I, listen, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you uh, at all. And, you know, and, and if you want to fast forward from 2020 to 2024, because you guys, and because, you know, detectives usually don't put on a uniform and work in the street. Right. But I know when things have been a little crazy, you guys have been stepping up mm -hmm. and helping the uniform guys. And these guys were running around screaming from the river to the sea, from the river. They don't even know what it means. They have no idea what that means from the river to the sea. Maybe they understand what free Palestine means because probably an eight-year-old could figure out what free Palestine means. But the self-control that uh, I've seen exhibited by members of the New York City Police Department, including your detectives, is just—I mean, it's unbelievable. I—I don't—I don't—I mean, I—that you guys have to go through certain training, right, to, to maintain well, your composure. Absolutely, we we go through a lot of training, but you know, uh, I've never—and I've been through quite a few uh, riots throughout my 41 years, and uh, these were probably the worst. Uh, you know, the the abuse, the physical and verbal abuse that the the members of the NYPD took is uh, just uncalled for and, and remarkable that they held their, comp their composure. Since you were around for Crown Heights in the, 19 early, in the early 1990s, how does, how does what's going on today compare to what happened in those days? Well, this is much more magnified than it was back then. That was just confined to one area in Crown Heights, and then we had the Brooklyn Bridge riot, and we had the, uh, uh, the Korean boycott on Church Avenue. So there was a lot uh, the... Thompson Square Park uh, riots as well. So there, there were there were a lot of riots, but these people were very organized uh, on what they were doing. They had a mission. Uh, they they planned everything out. Uh, they mobilized uh, as quick, if not.
quicker than the police department, which is disturbing. So they're they're uh, they're advancing in their education on how to combat. That's got to do with technology, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, with, uh, back in the day, media. they had a, sure. a payphone on the corner yeah. when you put in a quarter or send a telegram or something crazy like that. So, getting back to this new law they want to pass, you know, you said you're speaking to some of the city council people, but. Uh, you know, I, what I don't know is what are the ramifications. So one of your detectives, you know, someone comes up to one of your detectives and says, the, someone just stole my pocketbook, right? Now, I mean, it's so insane. So your guy's trying to help the person whose pocketbook, well, what does he look like? Oh, he's a bald guy wearing a tie. All right, now your detective sees five guys on the street. They're bald guys wearing ties. Is he supposed to now take notes and and? Talk to everyone as no, he's know, doing I'll it. I'll give you a perfect example. If, if someone is, uh, let's say, uh, an elderly person is, is not feeling well, and you give them a, a glass of water. Uh, you you know, right, how old contact, the old lady, right? And now, and now you have to you fill out a form. It's just counterproductive. You know, you know city council is, is counterproductive to the safety of the people of the city. You know, there's a trial going on right now with a young woman uh, who lost her son. Uh, the trial is going on in the Bronx. I went to the trial, and uh, this woman, uh, her name is Eve Hendricks, and she's a wonderful woman. Uh, she lives in the Bronx in the housing developments, and her son was shot by a stray bullet uh, in the Bronx uh, while sitting on steps, and he was killed. And now the trial is going on, and, and the defendant is, is on trial. And to uh, you know, look at the video that we obtained, and the detectives, the, the work they did was just unbelievable and and making the arrest on this case but the pain and suffering that this woman is going through as a mother or a father any father that you know has a child shot but for no reason it wasn't the intended target uh, this other idiot was just firing a gun and uh, the bullet hit this kid in the neck and uh how were you, you guys able to find the the perp well they did it they did an amazing job you know to a video canvassing uh, interviewing witnesses uh, that sometimes don't want to be identified on this uh, city council bill. You know, a lot of work detectives do. They obtain information uh, from people that they make they, relationships. They don't right? want to be identified. Yeah, and they make relationships. And, uh, right? and that's what makes us and helps us investigate and close the, these cases. You know, when the city council really has no clue, they enact these bills without speaking to anyone from the police. The reality. Yeah, yeah I mean, more than the police. The DA's office. You know, they can speak to the defense attorneys. Yeah, I, w- I would tell them the pros and the cons of this. Now, uh, Paul, is there, do you know of any, we're talking to uh, the detective of the Detectives Endowment Association, Paul DiGiacomo, a storied guy who's been around 41 years. Did, um, are there any, what's the ramifications if, you know, uh, the ex of a precinct finds out that one of his detectives spoke to someone and didn't take down their information? Well, we, that's yet to be seen, but it's probably going to be some sort of uh, administrative uh, penalty involved in that. Uh, but the other side of the coin is this is another bite at the apple for CCRB. And uh, and CCRB is out of tell, control. Tell people what CCRB is. Uh, Civilian Complaint Review Board, the, the, the oversight, uh, the police department for discourtesy and things of that there was, nature. There was a record amount of, of CCRB complaints in 2023. Complaints, but a lot of them were unfounded, well, not substantiated. Most of them were. So, uh, you know, CCRB is out of control. Uh, they're another entity that's trying to control and tie the hands of the police on a regular basis. And, again, those are people that work at CCRB that never did this job. Walk in our shoes, see what we do, and then you could second guess and question us. 
Well, I uh, you know I appreciate everything that you guys do. You know, you're you're talking to a lot of people out there. A lot of cops, by the way, and members of the MAPD listen to this show. I know because they text me and call me with their guests on here. You know, what what message first of all do you have to honestly guys like me who you know jump on the subway and go home and you know I am looking over my shoulder a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's look, Paul. I've been riding the subway since I'm literally like fourteen, fifteen years old. There's definitely a lot more mentally ill people. When I was a kid, right, in the late 80s, early 90s, they were like punks. They were guys who were b- bad dudes, but they were like looking to take your watch, looking to take mm. you. But at least they, they were kind of like on a mission. Like, there's people now who you like you can't talk to. Like, they're, they're nuts. Well, you remember uh, back in the uh, early 90s or 94, 95, uh, they had the transit police had the homeless outreach unit. And they used to go around the subways and take these people uh, that were homeless and bring them in, into uh, hospitals and get them shelter. Uh, Bill de Blasio came into office and disbanded that unit. So that unit no longer exists, and it was a well-oiled machine. This is why we have so many homeless on the trains and in the streets today. It was an effective unit. Bill de Blasio did away with it, and it's something that should be re But, you know, there's, there's – and obviously I'm not saying you're wrong because you know more than I do, but it's one thing – you know, I've gone on a train and there's a guy sleeping on a bench. That's one thing. There's another thing when I'm coming back from court the other day, and Paul, this guy was a he was a big man, and I don't mean fat. I mean he was tall mm-hmm. and wide, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs about Jewish people, and he's looking right at me. You know, I'm wearing a fedora, right? And so I, I look like I'm an Orthodox mm-hmm. Jewish guy, and the white people. And I mean, it was intimidating. It was you know the next stop. I mean, I'm smart enough to get out and move. Those are the people. You know, the homeless people, look, that's sad, If and I'm not saying a lot of them aren't mentally ill, but they're not aggressive. I'm talking about these, like, like these aggressive, like the Daniel Penny case. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect case that uh, was on yesterday. I don't know how you guys combat that. Well, you know, it's difficult because, You again, don't have enough numbers. Again, the, uh, the city council and Albany uh, has tied the hands of the police. Uh, the police are not uh, proactive as they should be because they're worried about uh, getting in trouble or getting a CCRB. So the police department is is not uh, as proactive as it used to be because of the politicians in office. And I mean, I, what I mean by saying that is Albany and the city council and the DA's office and and some I of mean, the DA's office. I Most mean, I, of the DA. I office. know you got to work yeah. with them, but you know, I mean, I, you know, when I was there, and I mean, there was shootings where cops would shoot someone. Yeah, you know, you. would put the case in the grand jury, but you know, there was a likelihood that the grand jury was going to blow that case out. Mm-hmm. Now it's just the opposite. Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult today, especially when there's a, you know, a firearm involved that you have to fire uh, rounds at an individual that's uh, putting your life in harm's way or someone else's life in, in, in harm's way. Uh, it's a very, very difficult job. It's, been more, it's more difficult now than I've ever seen. What's and there's so many layers of oversight now. Uh, between the attorney general, uh, the district attorneys, the FBI. Uh, oh, right. Isn't there that new law now? If a cop shoots someone, it goes to the attorney general's yeah, office? Or if he kills yeah. well, someone. if somebody right? is killed in police custody, it goes to the attorney general's office. Though, it goes so, out of that. Well, uh, you know what? That's probably a good idea. Because you guys work so closely with the DA's offices, it then becomes hard for the DA to charge your brother officer. 
before I let you go, Paul, you know, as I said, there's a lot of members of the NYPD who listen to this show. You are the president, Paul DiGiacomo, of the Detectives Endowment Association. You know, what message do you have to the guys, the men and the women, and the, and the, a lot of women? I mean, in terms of uniform, I think, so, I, think I, I don't know if you know the statistics. I seem to see more women in uniform than men nowadays, or it's, it's got to be somewhat one-third, two-thirds. I mean, there's, there's a, a lot, lot more of, women. Uh, a lot of women on the job now, and they're, they're doing a fabulous job. Fabulous job. But, uh, you know, the, the message is uh, to, to the detectives out there is, uh, you know, protect yourself and protect your partner and make sure you go home safe every night. That's the bottom line. Because uh, at the end of the day, the people that are going to back you are the uh, your unions. The DEA is going to be there for you, the PBA. Uh, many of our politicians are not. They're going to run for the hills. I know. It's kind of a bummer. I know, look, I know regarding this particular bill, because I heard him on a soundbite this morning, I know Adams is, I mean, he vetoed it. Yeah. He, he either signed it today or he's going to sign it today. I was a little busy being a lawyer today, so I don't know. I apologize to our listeners. But, um, I mean, I, and, and he's, what he said of vetoing it, he said, um, you know, I'm behind our police officers. I'm not looking, you know, I'm not looking to make their job yeah, he's any been, harder. Uh, he's been very supportive of the police. But Jermani Williams, you know, uh, he has never done anything. Uh, to help the people of the city, it's always to try and handcuff the cops. And he's doing a disservice to the people of the city, and he's disingenuous, and he's an obstructionist. You know where he lives, right? I know where he lives. He lives on the Fort Hamilton yeah. Army Base. Yeah. So here's but he a guy. comes from the 7-0 Precinct he lived. Okay, well, well, I didn't think he was born. I was born on Fort Hamilton Army Base when my dad was a captain. Yeah, I mean, so this is a guy who's not, not where he gets driven around. I'm assuming he gets an NYPD detail for, as being the public advocate, right? Yeah. And then he lives in an army base, which is a, one of the safest places on the planet. He, so yeah, it's easy to be a tough guy and say, oh, take the guns away from the cops. He's disingenuous and he's a phony. Well, he's going to run for mayor. Scott Stringer has announced he's running for mayor. And who else? Who knows who's going to jump in? And all I'll, I'll say is anyone who's got a big problem with uh, you know, Eric Adams now, I think you might see him... Uh, and people may be begging to have a guy like Eric Adams back in the mayor's seat mm-hmm. if a guy like Jumani Williams became the well, mayor. This is of the all political. It's, it's all politically motivated by Jumani Williams. And again, it's disingenuous. And because of his actions and what he's doing, it could cost people their lives. Well, Paul DiGiacomo, I want to thank you. Thank you for coming up here. Thank you for all you do. I mean, you know, when things are scary, you know, you dial 911 and you guys come run into a bad scene. Look at those poor cops who got. Shot, shot the other yeah. day. I mean, there's nothing worse than going to a domestic violence scene. Absolutely. I mean, that, you're always getting going to get in some kind of trouble there. So, 41 years. How many more you got in you? Another 40. How well <laughs> did you know Chief Esposito? Very, very well. I, I knew him when he was a lieutenant in Brooklyn South, and uh, you know, he was a wonderful, wonderful man and uh, a true leader, and one of the best in the NYPD, and he's dearly missed. Yeah, he was a good, good guy, and his wife too. Christine was a, was a wonderful person. It's real... interesting. I mean, they were a couple for people who don't know. Like they were always together, and, and Joe yeah. had to be everywhere. The chief had to be everywhere, yeah. but he always had. And then, but she died not that long yes, ago. He died before. right after. They looked like movie stars walking into the room. Yeah. The two of them. It was, it was just. Uh, but he was always a cop's cop. Joe was. Well, that that was obvious just by the way he conducted yeah. himself. But you know, I didn't know him that well. But boy, did he treat me, hug you, kiss your sweetheart. Ladies and gentlemen, we just spent a half an hour with the president of the Detective Endowment Association. You know how lucky you are to be able to hear directly from him? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Alec Baldwin, a Padre Lou libation. Joan is going to entertain us with a tap dancing routine, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, And we have another guest. Don't go away. 
This is Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCare RX, a leading specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. InfuCareRx.com. Here is Dr. Tina Zeka, Allergy and Asthma Associates of Monmouth County, with this week's medical minute. Symptoms of primary immunodeficiency can vary by individuals. But typically, a history is obtained where an individual has recurrent infections, such as recurrent sinus infections, respiratory infections, pneumonia, failure to thrive, chronic diarrhea, and autoimmunity. Primary immunodeficiency can be more common in males than females, but since most cases are genetically linked, children less than the age of one are most commonly affected. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx, and the information, comments, or views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance. Bay Ridge Honda, Bay Ridge Honda, Bay Ridge Honda, Bay Ridge Honda, 60 years, 60 years. You know, I was thinking about it. I guess if I, you know, the way Rob Sabah did, he tagged along with his dad. I guess then I could do, I could say, you know, the Idala lawyers have been around for 60 years, but not yet because my dad was in, in the DA's office. He didn't come into private practice until the mid seventies. So we're, we're really actually only at 50 years. So we got a whole other decade to go between the Idala father and son team could match the Sabah father and son team. Now they do something a little different than we do. They're selling you one of the greatest cars on the planet. And I don't say that lightly because the Honda Accord has been on car and driver's 10 best list for in four different decades. Um, it is a spectacular automobile, as is the Civic, as is all, you know, I'm a car guy. I'm not a big SUV guy, but there's SUVs are fantastic too. The Passport, the HRV, the CRV. Um, and of course, my favorite, the Honda Odyssey minivan. I'm a big minivan fan. It is the Swiss Army knife of vehicles. It can do it all. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to Bay Ridge Honda on 88th Street and 4th Avenue. Bay Ridge Honda on 88th Street and 4th Avenue. You're going to see there are hundreds of brand new 2024 cars listed under manufacturer's standard resale price or whatever that MSRP stands for. I just fibbed that one right there. Um, they also have a whole lot there of used cars, beautiful used cars, all different kinds of used cars. Obviously, they have Hondas, but they have Mazdas. They have um, Volkswagens. And the reason why I know as I passed by there last night because I got some gas at midnight when I got off the highway, or it was actually closer to one when I got off the highway. So go do yourself a favor, go to Bay Ridge Honda, Bay Ridge Honda, 88th Street and 4th Avenue, or go online to BayRidgeHonda.com. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate? If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10 a.m., our very own Dottie Herman, Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters of real estate. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet, you need to listen to Ion Real Estate. Dottie and her terrific team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there's no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. She's a legend. She's the best, period. Tune in to Ion Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 a.m., here on AM 970, The Answer. That's I on Real Estate. Don't miss it. Saturdays at 10 a.m. here on AM 970, The Answer. 
Let's talk about our friends at Connors and Sullivan because, you know, when we're young, we think, oh, I'm strong, I'm healthy, so's my loved one, everyone's fine, we have nothing to worry about. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. If, God forbid, you or your loved one or your significant other, someone who you have uh, financial responsibility for, if you guys get sick, you're under the weather real bad, where well, you got to go to the hospital, you got to, God forbid, go to a nursing home, those costs are astronomical astronomical minimum five hundred dollars a day minimum fifteen thousand dollars a month a month or two months is thirty grand push gone what should you do what do the boy scouts say be prepared how are you going to be prepared you're going to go to connor's and sullivan you know why because there's all these kinds of government programs out there things you might be entitled to um so what you want to do is go meet with Connors and Sullivan. Go over your whole estate plan with them, what you have, what you don't have, what you're concerned about. Wills, trusts, power of attorneys, healthcare proxies, living wills. They will tell you how to set things up so that if, God forbid, you or your loved one has to have that kind of intense medical care, you won't be wiped out financially. So call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation. Uh... They can go meet them in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, or Staten Island. They're at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Listen to AM970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Tonight at 7, it's the fun Friday edition of Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough and Christine Nicholas. What does that mean? Broadway reviews, restaurants. We'll talk about things going on in the different bids across New York City and have a cocktail recipe or two. That's tonight at 7. Are you ready for an adventure of a lifetime? Journey with me, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, on the Patriots Alaska Cruise this summer. It's an incredible opportunity to engage with me and other like-minded Patriots on an epic seven-day cruise over 4th of July weekend. Witness the untouched wilderness of Alaska while discussing America's future. What could be better? Join me from June 29th to July 6th. Call 855 855- 565-5519 or reserve online. PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com Syracuse is still unbeaten in the Dome and returns Saturday for a noon tip-off with Miami. Join us for Orange pregame at 11.30 Saturday morning. Tip-off at noon at AM 970, The Answer. New York's home for Syracuse University basketball. When you are looking for concrete materials for your next construction project, call on the experts of Diamondback Ready Mix, New York and New Jersey's number one premier family-owned concrete supplier, proudly located on Staten Island, providing concrete services for commercial, municipal, and residential general contractors throughout New York City and New Jersey. The Diamondback Ready Mix Quality is our strength service. We'll guide each customer from the initial order through the final pouring. Fully insured in New York and New Jersey. And they will produce your concrete with that perfect blend. That perfect Friday night at 638 blend of durability, strength, and appearance for your project. Take it from me. Call today and ask for Harry Lynch for your personalized service second to none. Call 718-650-5649. 718-650-5649. You'll get a free estimate. Go online to Diamondback Ready Mix. That's R-E-D-I-M-I-X dot com. Diamondback Ready Mix is a DeFazio Industries company. 
Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala Bertuna and Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Kamins, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Kamins earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Kamins law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Hello. You know who I want to talk about right now, right? You know I want to talk about the, the people who I was talking about at lunch today because I had a quick lunch with a colleague who was saying that, you know, their young person in their family was a little, I don't want to use the word lost. That wouldn't be nice, but they were looking for some direction. That would be a very nice way to put it. You know what I told them? Not because I was on the air, not because, uh, you know, this is part of my show. I said, you should have them go on the website. Go to Plaza College. You know why? They have so many different opportunities to change your life. And you don't have to be a young person. You could be a, uh, a young person like me, a 56-year-old young person. Um, they have everything, uh, every opportunity to really put your life in a different direction from a nursing program, dental hygiene program, business programs, paralegal programs, and a state-of-the-art, beautiful facility in Queens. What about court reporting? You know that I'm always talking about court reporting because the court reporters I know seem to have a great quality of life. And um, there's a ton of jobs available. So you go to the school, you learn how to do the stenography, you do how to do the court reporting, and then you got a job. What's better than that? So what you should do, you should go to Plaza College, go on their website, or sign up today by emailing them at info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Little Elvis Costello? Yes, sir. Friday night, 641, live and local, sitting at the desk. Feeling good because I got a lot done last night. I spoke to my client today who I'm arguing his case and... and I just went to, uh, my dad would tell you this, instinctively, uh, organically, I just went into my spiel that I'm going to make in front of the judges, and I'm still almost a month out, and uh, he was very impressed with uh, the, my delivery, so that put his mind at ease. One little, uh, before we go to our next guest, who is the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, uh, I want to tell you, one of the lawyers who works here, who's like kind of my kid brother, he's a couple of years younger than I am, I've known him, I don't know, 20 eight or 29 years is uh, Michael Sabella and Michael is an, a spectacular lawyer and I don't say that lightly at all I've tried more cases with him than I can count uh, he tried to he did something I've never done he tried a case alongside my father and uh, 
it, on the comic side of things, some, sometimes, you know those really bright people, like my buddy Doug Jabara, sometimes I know she's not listening, right? like Diana, and, and like they, 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 the, no, Joan, you know why you have like, a, you're good with the common sense part of things, you're not losing things all the time, like Diana, if there's a constant quest for where's Diana's phone? And poor Doug Tabara, if he's got to go to the corner, he doesn't just make go out the door, make a right. He makes go out the door, make a left, a left, a left, a left, and then he's at where he needs to be. We spent this office spent about I don't know three or four hours looking all over on behalf of Mike Sabella, not not for like a file, not for a phone, but probably for like a five dollar and ninety nine cent cap. Like a, a little woolly cap that you wear on your head when I, it's supposed to be a blizzard that doesn't happen. And we're looking all over. And just now during the commercial break, he comes in twirling it on his finger and ready. Here is the, the uh, dramatic pregnant pause. Do you know where it was, folks? Do you know where it was? On his desk. It was on it was odd. Go ahead. If it were Judge Lewis's office, I would go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because if you've seen Judge Lewis's well, he's, desk. he's very busy. He's, he's working very on a busy, lot of big and cases. Cammons has got a lot of paperwork. But Mike Sabella's yeah, office desk, is often uh, clean. Mike, I mean, it's. It's often clean. I, it's, meathead. I, I, meathead. He, he just gave meathead. me the meathead. It was very, uh, 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 you know, you should be a little embarrassed. All right, let me go to my next guest. Um, I'm sorry, Mark, but you know we this law firm is not really a law firm. It's like a family that happens to practice law. So I'm talking to Mark Mix. He's the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. You understand what it's like working with these lawyers all the time. Sometimes they're really, really brilliant, but they can't tie their shoes. And some, you know, I'm on the I'm the other side. I'm, I'm re- I know how to tie my shoes, but the brilliance thing I'm a little lacking on. Welcome to the Authorite Dollar Power, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great, Arthur. Good to be on with you, and good to hear those uh, those anecdotes because you know I forget my keys about 48 times a day, and my phone, and oftentimes I find it in my pocket, let alone my desk. So I I, 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 I resemble those remarks. Yeah, listen, I I'm not gonna lie to you. I have looked all over sometimes for my keys or my glass. The worst is when I'm looking for my reading glasses and they're on top of my bald head. And I'm I'm looking yeah. all over for them, and they're right there. Um, so, Mark, talk to me. You guys uh, just had a long, years-long legal battle regarding the electrical contracting employee, and and just tell folks a little bit about uh, your the, the the battle you guys just went through. Yeah, Arthur, this is one of those cases that points out uh, the problems that individual employees and employees that are battling a union that they no longer want to represent them, and what that looks like when these workers have to go through the legal process that's established by the National Labor Relations Act and adjudicated by the National Labor Relations Board. Particularly, this board, under this administration, has no sympathy for workers. They have a lot of sympathy and a lot of support for union officials, but they rarely support employees. In this case, out of Brooklyn, New York, has got this in spades. You have a, a group of employees working for a company called Horsepower Electric in, in Brooklyn, and they're going to try to get rid of the union, the, uh, the, uh, the union that has the Allied Trades and Electrical Workers Union up there in Brooklyn. And so they do what the law requires. They file a petition. They circulate a petition for a decertification election. Decertification means you're trying to throw the union out. Certification, tries to, you're trying to get them in. Well, they follow the rules, and they they get the requisite number of signatures, and they go to the National Labor Relations Board and say, hey, 
we all want the unions. Almost a majority of the workers signed it. This is about a 70-person unit. And so the NLRB is supposed to conduct an election once they establish that the petitions are the petition is okay and it's got the requisite number of, of people signing it. And they're supposed to process an election. Well, the NLRB does in Region 29 up there in your area. And immediately the union files an unfair labor practice charge against the employer, in this case, Horsepower Electric. And so while the votes are counted, where the votes are actually cast, they're not counted. They're impounded pending the adjudication of the unfair do, labor they, practice charge. How, Mark, how do they vote? Like what mechanism? They vote by secret ballot, fortunately. Oh. They do vote by secret ballot. And okay. uh, that, that's becoming a thing in the past now, too, Arthur, because they want to go to mail ballot elections and electronic elections and all kinds of different ways to give union officials more power over workers. So the NLRB gets this, this unfair labor practice charge from the union about the employer being involved in this decertification election, which under the rules, the employer can't be involved. The employees have to do this on their own. But oftentimes, Arthur, you won't be surprised by this. The, these unfair labor practice charges have no connection or no impact on the election itself. It has nothing to do with that. They just file it because they want to block the counting of the elections or the conduct of the election. So in this case, the NLRB files the complaint after the union files a charge against the employer, and that impounds the ballots. So the ballots are not going to be counted. They're going to be held somewhere in some office somewhere with sealed allegedly and, of course, under tight seal. We hope. We don't know that. But the, the ballots sit on the sidelines while the NLRB is supposed to adjudicate these unfair labor practice charges. Well, in this case, Arthur, the NLRB decides they're not going to take any action on this unfair labor practice charge. So we go from what was a December 2022 decertification petition to a March 2023 election to the NLRB basically sitting on their hands until basically September when the company, Horsepower Electric, files a charge in the Eastern District of New York claiming a, a violation of due process, that the NLRB won't have a hearing, and so they can't have these votes counted, and so the union's still in power in the workplace. Well, we, on behalf of our client, who's an employee and the one that circulated the petition, file an intervention motion. We get that intervention motion granted not only on the federal court, the due process case, but we also get intervention when it comes to the NLRB, moving forward with actually having a hearing. And so the judge issues a show cause order to the National Labor Relations Board say, hey, what's going on here? You have to have a hearing. So at that point, now that we've got a federal judge saying, you know, come on, let's get started with this, we go to a December 5th hearing in New York. We, 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 you, our attorneys go up, our client shows up, the NLRB shows up, and Arthur, you, this has probably happened to you before, and probably it's a good thing if you're, uh, if you're defending someone or you're, or you're prosecuting the other party, the National Labor Relations Board, admits about five minutes before the case is supposed to start and the hearing is supposed to start, saying, we can provide no witnesses that will testify to the unfair labor practice charge. So this charge is completely baseless. There's no witnesses the NLRB can produce to, to argue in favor of the ULP. And so the NLRB basically says, well, our case is moot. We're going to withdraw it. And then the union, knowing that most of the people have signed the petition, finally say, okay, we're not even going to bet, count the votes because they think they're going to lose. They just withdraw. Mark, you are, you just like taught yeah. a whole you just taught like a whole law school <laughs> class about like eighteen. So I apologize, but it's Friday and it's a little late, and I'm running out of time. Could you just like can you give me like the conclusion of this like wild yeah. legal ride with the National Labor Relations Board? Yeah, the union just withdrew recognition, and so the employees are free. They're not represented by the union anymore. The union just walked away um, after all this happened. So, But it took a year, Arthur. That's the point. 
you know, uh, due process for an individual employee up against the National Labor Relations Board, it's not a fair fight until we get involved, and it's not a fair fight because the NLRB does stuff like this to these employees all the time. So is this what the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, this is what you guys are all about? It's all we do. We have 20 attorneys that do nothing but help employees exercise their rights under the National Labor Relations Act. Wow. Well, that's, that is doing God's work. So I want to thank you, Mark. Mark, feel free to come back when, uh, you know, I, 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 I can give you a little bit more time because I was able to follow the bouncing ball because I kind of speak your language even though I don't really, but I got it. I could get by. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, that was a very impressive recitation of uh, everything that went, pl- that took place there. I'm sorry, Arthur. I, I get, I get into the lecture. I'm not an attorney myself, but we have 20. So that's enough to, to give me the vibrations to be able to talk about this stuff. Well, you did a really great job at, uh, <laughs> at summing it all up. All right. That was our friend, Mark Mix. He's the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. We're going to take one more quick break. And then I'm going to come back. I got a crazy Padre Lou libation. And then I'm going to wait for Luca to come here. And then he and I are going to go meet uh, Bruce Sharrett and Imran and have a little bite to eat. Patrick was way behind on his IRS taxes. I was in way over my head. The total amount ended up being somewhere just over $30,000. $30,000. Then the IRS came to collect. Started getting letter after letter. A lien had been filed against me. They were going to basically like hang me completely out to dry. He had to do something. That's when I reached out to Optima Tax Relief. Patrick's life quickly got a lot easier. It was very easy. Pretty much hands off, you know. They picked up the ball and ran with it. And how'd it go? I couldn't believe it. I had to ask like two or three times. I saved an incredible amount of money. How does Patrick feel about Optima? Couldn't be happier. They definitely helped me. Optima Tax Relief, the best place to call. They're the best in the business. Do what Patrick did and call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. All right, so you heard me talking earlier about Bay Ridge Honda. I want to end this week bragging about them. They have received so many awards from, like, the Honda mothership in terms of uh, you know, when you take your car in, they ask the customers to give you give the customer to give the master Honda dealership like a rating and evaluation. They won all those awards by getting great ratings from the customers from on their customer service of service, like when you got to take your car in for service, for sales, for the beautiful showroom that they have. It is, you know, look. Buying a car can be a daunting, scary experience. You're paying a lot of money. Um, most people uh, who don't own a home, it's the biggest expense that they have. It's the biggest purchase that they have. And uh, you want to make sure you do it, and you do it right. Well, if you want to do it right, just go to Bay Ridge Honda. Number one, every vehicle there is superior. Like, you never get a lemon that's a Honda. You never get a headache that's a Honda. It's really just picking the one that you like the best. Oh, uh, the one that I should say fits your needs the best. Maybe it's a big SUV. Maybe it's a real small Civic Sport with a two doors with like a stick shift and it's just hilariously, awesomely fun. Um, but once you pick what you want, the salespeople there, the finance people there, they're going to talk to you in a language that you understand, make your life a lot easier. Go to Bay Ridge Honda, 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York. Bay Ridge Honda, 4th Avenue and 88th Street. Or go online to BayRidgeHonda.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. 
So the big issue is Alec Baldwin, again, is charged with involuntary manslaughter. You know, this case is began, ended, ended, began, now it's beginning again. It's very complicated in terms of, like, what they're doing. I have no idea what they're doing. Um, I'm sure you're going to read all about it this weekend. I want to wish a very happy birthday to Edith, known as Jean Stapleton, um, because she she would have been... 90 years old. Wait, did she wait? She would have been 101 today. She died at 90. Um, it's still supposed to be kind of chilly. There's my friends up in Rock and Horse Ranch. I'm not there because Arthur's going to do penance tomorrow. But I want you to take two ounces of water, two ounces of apple juice, and whatever spices you may have in the pantry, like a cinnamon stick, clove, star anise, even a vanilla pod cut down the middle, and just put those in a pot and simmer them for five and ten minutes. The house is going to smell great. Then pour the hot contents into a muff, a mug, obviously heat-proof mug. Like, don't put in, like, a plastic cup or anything like that. It's going to melt. And put in one and a half ounces of slow gin. Yes, Padre Lowe's slow gin, which is a British red liqueur made with gin and blackthumb fruits, otherwise known as slows, S-L-O-E-S, which are the droop fruit of the prunus spinoza tree, which is a relative of the plum. Slow gin is derived from the slow berry, um, whereas regular gin is derived from the juniper berry. And slow gin typically has a lower alcohol content. So this is not going to get you bombed. And it's also a little sweeter. So you want to do basically water and apple cider is what I would do in the pan. You want to heat it up, simmer it a little bit, put in some cinnamon and some cloves. That's the way to go. Then you put in the slow gin. Now, Padre saying slow gin. I sometimes put in a little bourbon, a little whiskey. Um, you could garnish it with a nice slice of orange. Sip, savor, and swallow, and feel your body's radiator dispensing its steam throughout, thereby contrasting your body's warmth with the freezing, icy outdoors out, uh, that we're going to experience maybe this weekend. It's Padre Lou's Winter Comforter Libation, and drink it slowly. All right, folks, I had a great week with you, um, even though Monday was Monday. This past Monday was um, Martin Luther King Day. Can you believe how fast this week went? I know. Yes, it was uh, yeah, I can't Luther believe how King fast Day. life is going. Um, Arthur and Ariana hopefully are on the mend. Um, happy anniversary to San Bellino. Um, and Briar. Yeah, well, I mean, God bless thank you. Oh, there's Edith. I hear Edith singing. Aww. And to uh, Alex Garrett, thank you for all your help. Um, I'm so glad that Sam Bellino and Alex have agreed because the Idala Power Hour anniversary special was so great. They agreed to do another one because they have no, <laughs> they have so much time on their hands. So I'm really appreciative of that. And of course, everyone's appreciative of Joan Pelzer. Oh, yeah. I hope you have a safe, warm, fun, relaxing weekend. Enjoy some football. Go Buffalo Bills. See you Monday. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.